This is the Wife Wisdom Podcast with Christy Little Jones of MrsChristyJones.com, episode number 122. Grief is personal. Everyone experiences grief differently. How you handle grief really depends on your personality, your support system, and your innate coping skills. With grief, there are no rules, no formulas, no roadmap. It is a process that you just have to allow to unfold. Up next on the Wife Wisdom Podcast. Welcome to the Wife Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Little-Jones. I'm a relationship coach, a marriage and family champion, and the chief cheerleader for women all over the world. The Wife Wisdom Podcast is a real conversation designed to help you cultivate the heart of a wife. If you are single and desire to be married, if you are newly married and want to thrive as a wife, or if you are a seasoned wife and just need a little encouragement staying a wife, you are in the right place. If you are new to our podcast, woohoo! Welcome to the family. I am thrilled that you are here. And if you are already a part of my tribe and you don't already know, I love and appreciate you. Grief is a very real and intimate process that can be triggered by many things the loss of a job, a relationship breakup a sudden unexpected change in life, the loss of possessions, or what's most commonly known as the loss of a loved one. While grief is different for every single person, there are common stages and symptoms to grief that can assist those of us going through the grief process by giving meaning to what we are feeling and insight and understanding to how to navigate this process with a little more grace. When going through grief, some of us will go through our process in a few weeks or months, and for others, it may take years. But while we're going through the stages of grief on the road to recovery and healing, there may be triggers and setbacks. But what is most important is that we are patient, loving, and compassionate and gentle with ourselves throughout the journey. 2020 was a difficult year for many of us with the pandemic, COVID-19, having to wear these daggone masks, (laughs) quarantining, working from home, losing loved ones, losing our jobs and losing special experiences like graduations, weddings and birthdays. It was a lot But on top of all that we had to endure and the grief that the world has experienced like never before, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. My dad is my hero. I'm a true daddy's girl and I have been all of my life. Where my dad was, that is the only place I wanted to be as a little girl and even as an older young lady. (laughs) My dad is an NFL Hall of Famer. For those of you you who aren't familiar with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it is the highest honor a football player can receive. Only the top 2% of people who ever played the game of football are enshrined and honored as the best to ever play the game. My dad has a huge personality, a personality that is larger than life. He's the most kind-hearted, giving, fun-loving person anyone could ever meet. 
He is the type of person to meet someone for the first time and hug them like they were lifelong friends. He has an infectious personality, a smile that lights up the room, and a gift for making a stranger feel very, very comfortable in his presence. My dad loves to tease people, and he always recognizes the greatness in them and inspires them to become the best version of themselves. He impacts people the moment he meets them and changes their lives by being present with them and making them feel like the most important person in the room. 48 hours ago, my dad went to be with the Lord after a year-long battle with cancer. You may be thinking, why on earth is Christy recording this episode in the immediate shock and numbness of losing her dad only two days ago? I totally hear you. And I thought the same thing. But one thing I've learned from my dad is I do not choose to be a common man because it is my right to be uncommon if I can. This was something that my dad used to say from a little girl. I remember him saying this phrase to the point where it was like his own personal mantra. And so I as well choose not to be a common man because it is my right to be uncommon if I can. Grief is one of those taboo topics that people feel very uncomfortable talking about and authenticity is really important to me. So what better time to record an episode about grief, but at the height of my own personal grief. It's raw, it's new, it's fresh, and it's very, very real. While my dad went to be home with the Lord, who my dad is, is still in me. And I do not choose to be a common, common man because it is my right to be uncommon if I can. Today, I'm talking about grief and we'll continue to have this conversation in an effort to inspire you not to avoid the grief or to stuff the grief or ignore the grief or run away from the grief or even get stuck in the grief, but instead to be brave enough to confront the grief, embrace the grief, share the grief, and get supported through the grief. One of the things that I've learned, even as I believe God prepared me and my heart for this moment when my dad transitioned to be with the Lord, I believe that my grief started months ago. When I knew that my dad, when he was diagnosed with cancer and what I've learned is that there are five stages of grief and it's described by Elizabeth Kubler Ross, who is the founder or the, the, the person who really introduced the five stages of grief to really the world. And so the stages of grief are, it's not a formula. It's not, oh, this is going to be your, the expected process, but it's more of a way to just Give some framework to what you're feeling, to what you're going through, because grief is hard. It's heavy. It's deep. And sometimes grief can take people out. They can take them out of the game of life, of participating in life. 
So grief is real. But if we don't talk about it, if we don't have conversations about it, then we're going to be afraid to to discuss it, talk about it and inevitably are going to want to ignore it, stuff it, hide it, run away from it. And that just makes things worse. And so the stages of grief are to educate you on finding where you may find yourself. It may, it's this designed to help you acknowledge your feelings and really provide information that helps you to come to a place of in your grief process where in spite of your grief, you are able to function, or let's say you're better able to function and to live life on a daily basis. And as a health educator, which has been my background for over 20 years, I know the power of health education and understanding how to use it as a tool to make choices, wellness choices to really live the highest quality life that you can, the best life that you can. So the key about grieving is that you do not judge yourself. You do not judge your process. You do not allow anyone else to judge you or your process. And you don't judge anyone else's process that you know is going through grief. Because our feelings are normal. They're uncomfortable. But the good news is that one day they do get better. I have some very dear friends who have experienced great, great loss. And I have seen, I've witnessed that they do get better. Over time, the, the, the pain and the, the magnitude, the heaviness of the grief that they're feeling or that they're experiencing or they're experiencing, it does subside. Praise the Lord. And so while you may not ever get over the loss of losing a house in a fire and all your memories and pictures and photos and videos, or you may not get over the loss of of your parents dying or your children dying, or you may not ever get over the loss of the divorce or becoming a widow, you will survive it. Grief, grief is often described in stages and through each stage, the, each stage lasts for a different time and you may miss some stages, but the point is, is that it again is a framework to give a little bit of explanation to why you may be feeling like you're feeling. So the five general stages of grief as described by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is stage one denial, where you're like, this can't be happening. Stage two is anger. Why did this happen? Who is to blame? Stage three is what's called bargaining. Make this not happen. And I will fill in the blank. Stage four is depression, depression. I can't deal with this. I can't bear this. I'm, I'm too sad to do anything. And stage five is acceptance, where you acknowledge that this has happened and that you cannot change it. Now, there are some some of these common signs and symptoms of grief, grief which you see for the, in this framework is in the whole denial piece is the shock and the disbelief. It is really difficult to accept death. You may feel numb 
You may question whether the loss really happened. It's not unusual because this is a very normal reaction. The first 24 hours of my dad's passing, my dad being a celebrity, an NFL Hall of Famer, he played for the Denver Broncos for nine years. We had a plethora of support. There were videos, there were hundreds of people who responded and to the post, our social media posts. So my family, my sister, me, my brother, my, my stepmom and my cousins and um, it, people responded in ways that were, it was so beautiful and it was so helpful in the immediate knowledge or the immediate, what's the word, just the immediacy of my dad passing. It was beautiful. Like it just brought a smile to my face to see the pictures, to hear all of the football players and the tweets and everybody sharing how they felt about my dad and how they made him feel. It was beautiful. Then day two, it, the hole in my heart felt so much bigger. People still were, were reaching out and saying how much they cared, but it was the realization started to set in. We're on day two as I record this and the numbness and the bewilderment is real. The shock of, wow, this is really happening. I'll never be able to hug dad again. This another symptom and sign is sadness. The profound sadness is a universal experience. So when I say I'm really sad because my dad just died, people know what I mean. And with the sadness that is so universal, it often can lead to feelings of loneliness and isolation. And we become, or sometimes we believe that no one can even understand the depth of our sadness or our grief. And it really really kind of pushes us into a deeper sorrow. And so one of the things that I've done even in these last 48 hours is I've allowed myself to feel it. I am the type of, I'm, this is the first time I've had to grieve to this magnitude or I've first time I've lost one, a parent and I, it, it is, there is definitely a, a disbelief that it really happened, even though God has been preparing me for months. He's been preparing my family when we knew that dad wasn't going in the right direction. We, we knew we were, it, it's been a long goodbye, which we are so grateful for as a family, but the profound sadness is still here. Even though I knew one day soon, dad was going to go be with the Lord. And so number the three is guilt, right? These are the symptoms and the signs of grief, guilt, where you may feel guilty over the things you said, the things you did or didn't say or didn't do or those that, you know, something that you wish you could have done differently. And, you know, I, I know my, my stepmom was the 
most amazing caregiver for my dad. Like it was so beautiful. It was such a blessing to know that dad had someone there with him every day going above and beyond to make sure that he had everything he needed. So she did a phenomenal job. And, you know, I remember her sharing just her concern of, oh my gosh, did I do everything that I, that I could have done? I mean, should I, have, should I have done this? Should I have done that? Should I have done something different? And so the guilt that I know she was personally wrestling with is very real. It's a normal part of grief. And then there's anger and, and you can only imagine losing your spouse right to cancer or your child or your sibling or your parent there's anger is a very real common normal response reaction a normal part of the process and you know regardless of how someone we loved died anger is definitely something that comes into play very regularly or commonly where you may be angry with a person for not being here anymore or you're angry at the caregivers for not doing more or doing something that you think they should have done or you may even be angry at God this is very normal and you know the process I've learned and in my study and of grief and health education um, experience that you that it's a normal process, like letting go of your anger will happen eventually as part of the process in your own time. Then there's fear. A loss can trigger fear in so many levels. Fear of your own death, fear of facing life without the person who just recently died, fear of the future and the uncertainty and you of life's plans and life's future. Fear is very real in, when it comes to grief. Then also with grief, there's physical pain. And we think that grief is only emotional, but it definitely can manifest physically, where, you know, it's like where you're sleeping a lot. There are several members of my family, and we're all grieving differently. We're all, it's all it's showing itself very differently. Some are sleeping and have slept for two days. Some are wanting to, me, I'm wanting to talk about it. I want to talk about my feelings with the people that I trust that are closest to me about how I'm feeling. And I love hearing stories of my dad and how he impacted them. And so um, the physical pain sometimes can show up in nausea, in a lowered immunity, in weight loss or weight gain, in insomnia, aches, pains, you know, but the most important thing I realized is it's important to maintain your health during grief. So the first day, like the within the first 24 hours of my dad dying, I did not eat until 4 p.m. I wasn't even hungry, didn't even think about it. And I was like, oh man, I haven't eaten. And I finally ate for the first time at 4 p.m. I wasn't fasting. I was just wasn't hungry. And so I kind of forced myself to eat and I was very diligent about drinking water because I felt like dehydrated the whole time. And it really is important during the grieving process to still practice self-care. 
So I felt so much better after taking a shower, doing my skincare regimen, which I love, drinking water, eating, even exercising. And while you may feel like you're not even really present doing it, it's still important in this grieving process. And so grief has surfaced in so many of our lives this year due to all that's transpired in 2020. And so prior, even so prior to the, even the global, global, this global pandemic, the process of grieving was so, was very unfamiliar to many, especially our young people, right? They were unfamiliar with the whole grieving process and what that was. So the, even the unfamiliarity of the grieving process was like, oh, no, thank you. I don't want to be a part of it. And so what I've learned is that especially as I spent time with my dad caring for him during his battle with cancer is that ignoring the pain of grief will only make it worse in the long run. Do not ignore the pain of grief. Also feeling sad and scared and lonely is normal and that's okay. Also crying is healthy And honoring your true feelings is so important. It is such a critical part of the grieving process. And so it's okay to cry. Don't apologize for it. I'm already a crier, so I don't really apologize for crying. But, you know, some of my kids aren't really comfortable necessarily crying. And so um, they try to hide it or try to hold back. And I really have just encouraged them to just release it, to let it go. My second day, this is the second day of my dad's death. And it's, um, today I cried a lot and you know what? I felt better. I felt better after crying because I'm not trying to be strong or brave or any of that of, as far as, Oh, a brave person, you know, that whole philosophy that sometimes the world or society tries to project on you that crying is weak. That could not be further from the truth that's a lie. Crying is healing. Why else would God create our bodies or trigger our bodies to cry when certain things happen? It's because it's normal and it's a part of his amazing creation for how he created us to be. And so don't apologize if you're having a a hard day of grief and you just need to cry. Just allow yourself to cry. Then there is no right way to grieve. Some cry and some don't. Either way, it is okay because grieving the way that serves and supports you first and foremost is the right way to grieve. Then do not grieve alone. Grieving already makes you feel alone. So you don't have to to help it (laughs) by isolating yourself or saying, you know, I just need to remove myself and and go into a corner and deal with it myself. And you know what? Some people may actually feel better doing that. And that's okay too. The key is not allowing it to take a, take a, like take a nosedive, right? You don't want that. Okay. If you're, I, cause I do have some family members who would rather grieve alone, but if you want to grieve alone, we cannot allow it to to unravel into something more serious. Okay. So, um, grieving, uh, what I found is that you want to find the support that serves you. So 
I have found that it helps me to watch videos of my dad, to listen to his voice, to look at pictures and read stories from people who live, whose lives were impacted by my dad. I read every single comment on my posts on Facebook and Instagram, even Twitter. I read every single one. I listened to all of his teammates and um, coaches who had something to talk to something to say about him. I listened to all of them and it just made me smile. That was supportive to me where there are other members or of my family who don't want to talk about it at all. They don't want to see any pictures. They don't want people asking them how they are. And I, we just have to honor the people around us and how they grieve. That is so important just to support them in the way they need to be supported. Now, the key and what I've encouraged my family members to do is to communicate that, communicate what that means. So I've told my closest friends, please, please call me, please reach out to me, please check on me. I need to talk to you because that helps support me. Now, I've told other members of my family to let their circle know that please don't ask me how I am. Please don't, you know, I don't need anything. I'm okay. I want to grieve alone. And that, that then it's important, I think, in this process to also communicate what you need to others so that they know how to support you. Because this is a topic that's really weird and uncomfortable for people. They don't know what to say. They're like, they say, oh, I've sent my condolences. If I can do anything, let, let me know. And, you know, that's a very common, you know, common language, right? But some of us want to take you up on that and say, yes, this is how you can help support me. But the, the key is tell them, tell people who are reaching out to you to let, tell them how they can support you because it's the, the process of grieving also, also is creating a support system for yourself. So you can't create a support system for yourself if you don't communicate what that looks like to people who have no idea how to navigate supporting you through grief, right? And so both ways of grieving are right for the person that whatever the person is going through, however it is that they're grieving, whether they want support physically, verbally, over the phone, over text, or they don't want you to talk to them, touch them, don't even mention it. Both ways are right because it's honoring the very personal process of the person and how we all get through our process and closer to healing and dealing with the loss is by allowing each of us, giving us the room and the space and supporting that space, holding that space for each other to walk through it in our own timing. And so I'm sharing my journey through grief and the loss of my Hall of Fame dad in hopes to encourage and inspire others who may have lost something so valuable and important to them that they can barely breathe. And so my hope is that you will find the courage to allow yourself to go through your own process and embrace the messiness of it all. It doesn't need to be perfect or performed. It simply just needs to be real and raw and authentic to you. And so for the next few weeks, in honor of my dad and in honor of my own grieving process, I am going to 
talk about grief over the next several weeks. And I will be having guests on the podcast to talk about their own grief and what they did to move through their own personal process in hopes that it will encourage us in our own. And so if you're experiencing grief and you don't have a support system in place, I encourage you to do a few things. One, I encourage you to reach out to your church or to a friend or to your jobs employee assistance program or EAP as you may know it, to your doctor who can recommend a behavioral therapist or even DM me at on Instagram at Wife Wisdom or go to my Facebook page at Christy Little Jones or even text me at 202-918-3358 so that we can begin building the support system that you need to support you in your own grieving process on the way to healing. What is so important is that we don't stay stuck in the grieving process, that we do eventually get to a place of healing and to a place of even just restoring and restoration where we're able to breathe again. And so as I start my grieving process, I want to just say thank you in advance for being part of my support system, for listening to my podcasts, for allowing me this space to share my grieving process and to encourage you in the authenticity and the realness and the rawness of and the freshness of everything that I'm going through. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you in advance for your prayers, for your love and your support. And please share this episode with someone in your circle that you think it would encourage and bless because they, you know, that they are going through grief, that you know that they are grieving and um, you believe that it will be a blessing. So hugs and kisses to you. Thank you again for your prayers, for your love, your support. And I look forward to connecting with you next week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Wife Wisdom Podcast. I hope that it was encouraging, inspiring, supportive, or just maybe it made you feel like you were not alone. And so thank you for joining me. If we are not connected yet, I would love to connect with you over on social media, on Instagram at wife.wisdom. And we can connect there. Please DM me how the Wife Wisdom Podcast has encouraged you, how it has supported you, how it has been brought up aha moments for you. I read and value and cherish all of the testimonies that I receive from you. So please, please, please keep them coming. And if you have not already rated our podcast on iTunes, please do so. You would just go to iTunes. You could go down to the very first episode where it will say, write a review. And so by writing a review, it helps other women who are looking for the Wife Wisdom Podcast to find it. And so please rate and review our podcast and it helps other people to find uh, our, our different episodes. So again, thank you so much 
for not only joining, but continuing to share this with your family, your friends, your sister circle. I so appreciate you and value your consistent listenership. So have an amazing week and I look forward to connecting with you next week. The Wife Wisdom Podcast with Christy Little-Jones was created to help you cultivate the heart of a wife by giving you practical tools, tips, and techniques to live happily ever after. Well, at least most of the time. (laughs) So until next week, keep learning, keep listening, and keep love first. Bye-bye.